Hi, everyone. Welcome to Asian Glow Up, a podcast centered around sharing stories that help Asian Americans explore their identities and connect with their most authentic selves. We're your hosts. I'm Jojo. I'm Jackie. And I'm April. Today, we're discussing all things stand culture in both Eastern and Western cultures, our own idolization of celebrities and fandoms we may or may not be a part of, and if we would consider ourselves toxic fans. Ooh. So let's get into it. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about this. We created an outline and there's already like a ton of information. So this is going to be a really fun episode. I want to start by looking way back. So who slash what do you think was your first celebrity obsession? And I want to know the details. So like how far back are we talking? What started it? And why do you think it happened? Maybe we'll start with Jackie, because I know that she, out of the three of us, tends to be a little bit more of that fan. <laughs> I think ever since I grew up, my mom has also been very much keeping up with the celebrity news, very lightly. Like we would go shopping and you see the magazines and you have all the headlines. During the Tumblr era, I was a big Taylor Swift fan. Huge. And I also think this comes into play of like my kind of assimilation Growing up in a very white community, I would, Taylor Swift came out. She was this amazing singer. And I was like, wow, she has blonde hair, blue eyes. Her lyrics really relate. She writes her own songs. Right? And I was like, <laughs> wow, I'm the hugest Taylor Swift fan. And also just became very fascinated with her talent and who she was and all of that. And especially with Tumblr, too. It's like I'm reposting all this shit as like a kid with nothing to do. Let's be fed with all of this information about their private life or their songwriting music videos. And so I just became a big fan that way. I would say my first celebrity that I really like loved would be Hannah Montana. I remember in middle school, my best friend then, her name's Tina, we would just walk to the library or around after school and just be singing her songs in the street, just like walking. Like we would just always be randomly singing her songs for no reason. To this day, I think she's like amazing and I really... I think she's really talented, but am I still a f stan? Like, probably not. I have no idea what she's doing. It's funny yeah. that you mentioned Miley because I was so obsessed with her. I don't know if you guys heard of Xanga, X-A-N-G-A. Yeah. I've heard of that. Is that related to Facebook? No, it's like a hybrid between a MySpace and a Tumblr kind of where you can mm -hmm. code things, customize things. And oh, I don't think I've ever music heard of that. And stuff. I'm thinking yeah, of the games of on Facebook. <laughs> They don't tell no, nothing like that. But I got <laughs> actually a lot of trouble in late elementary school, early middle school, because I was like making exangas for my friends and their parents were like, no, you're too young to be on the Internet. But I was all over that. And it's actually funny because I was so obsessed with Miley Cyrus that I created accounts pretending to be her on Exanga. Wow. And people believed me. That's crazy. And wow. back then it was called being a poser. You like, were a real stand for it. I was a poser and I got so obsessed with Miley that I would follow like her real family on Exanga. That's crazy. Learn so much about her siblings. Like I was a huge stan of her older sister, Brandy Cyrus too. <laughs> okay, you win. <laughs> I didn't even know that was her older sister's name. Yeah, like I was obsessed with Brandy, Trace, Brayson, Brandon, Noah. Wow. Like I was so into it, but it became so bad that in middle school, I would tell people, yeah, I'm like kind of friends with Miley. I'm connected with her on Exanga. Oh my and gosh. Then that's when we were still using wow. AIM, the messenger. Yeah, yeah, yes. 
And I created a fake aim for Miley. It was like <laughs> Hannah Montana something, but it was supposed to be like her personal aim. And I would log on as her and tell people that I was friends with myself. And everyone believed me. They were like, whoa, you're friends with Miley Cyrus. How old are you? Definitely six. That's crazy that everyone believed it. Yeah, some people will, like, one oh of my, my friends, God. Savannah, she recently mentioned, she was like, yeah, weren't you friends with Miley Cyrus on AIM? And I was like, girl, whoa. that was fake. Wait, that's so funny. This is my first time hearing about this. I'm shook. <laughs> yeah, it just never came up. But it's, I would go, like, I was Photoshopping things back then. Like, you know, there's pictures of celebrities holding signs and pieces of paper yeah, yeah yeah i would photoshop it to say my username for her like my fake username wow and so people would believe that, that wow. was her real account because i was photoshopping it okay <laughs> you were toxic <laughs> toxic and wow. i i don't condone that anymore but like it got so bad That's that so i would be like on the pc in my computer room in middle school and I would constantly be checking where my parents were in the house because I didn't want them <laughs> to see me doing that. So you knew that it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. But if you think about it, if my parents saw what I was doing, they wouldn't be like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know really know. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. But it got to the point where I would literally call out to my mom, like, mom, are you coming upstairs anytime soon? And she got really suspicious because she probably thought I was looking at like <laughs> really inappropriate things. <laughs> I mean, I would be sus too, but it's like, oh, my daughter made a fake Miley Cyrus account. Like, that's the last thing that yeah. I would think. Like, if I heard that now, I'd be like, kids are just being kids. Yeah. But also, I mean, you were like 11. Yeah. And when you're growing up on the internet, you have nothing to do and your parents are working all the time. You're like, what else can I do? Let me just dig into someone else's life because. Okay. I don't relate to that. <laughs> but I think most fans will relate that like when you're a fan of someone, the whole point of it, it brings you out of reality because you're idolizing someone else in like their life seems so much more interesting you're like i'd rather learn about them and see what they're up to yeah yeah so i definitely think that was toxic a little bit a lot bit (laughs) i was a poser oh my gosh that's so crazy yeah i really liked her but nowhere near that level i also think i wasn't on the internet the same way that you two were at that age like i didn't make a facebook until seventh grade i didn't have a myspace i don't know I didn't yeah really... i was on the internet too young also i didn't have a phone with data until college so i wasn't like on social media the same way that youtube probably were but also i don't think yes i was on social media but obviously just when i was like at home when we did have wi-fi but i wasn't looking at celebrities or it wasn't like that's not what i was spending my time on even when i like did have access to those things so I don't know it's like I wonder if it could have been different or would have been different if I always had access to it I don't know like when did this is kind of a weird question but when did you have data on your phones I had a pretty young I think middle school I had data so early that you couldn't make a call and surf the internet at the same time and I had a sidekick and so I'd have to turn the internet off in order for my mom to call me so it was oh like my god really <laughs> that's so funny i feel like our generation is so interesting in the sense that we're in like the middle we're not like 40 year old we're not ipad who... kids but we're also yeah not, and like... we're definitely not ipad yeah. kids. and we're just like like we remember some things that's so funny yeah, yeah. i also had a flip phone georgia how long were you a stand for of miley or just yeah. in general i don't think it lasted very long it's like a few years like sixth to eighth grade maybe i probably stopped early eighth grade because at that point you're kind of like 
older. You're more interested in boys now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I definitely was. Because back then, my group of middle school church friends, we were obsessed with Big Bang. And that was really (laughs) the peak K-pop for me. Like, I'm not that into K-pop anymore. And Mm -hmm. in middle school, I was so into Big Bang. Like, I think my sexual awakening was top. (laughs) I was like, Taylor Lautner. Wait, Jackie, earlier you were mentioning the hills. I also think a key difference with Jackie is that her mom grew up consuming a lot of American culture, which Mm -hmm. my family definitely did not. So I wasn't exposed to that through someone else in the family. And my brother definitely was not a stan. And no one else in my house spoke English. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think that might have been a part of it, too. Yeah. Like, I love shitty reality TV. Sometimes I'll even go, (laughs) I'll watch the challenge and then go on Reddit and be like, oh, what's like the fake ass drama? Even though I know it's fake and all constructive, I'm like, it feels less harmful when you're consuming celebrity drama than real life drama. Damn, what was going on in your life? What kind of drama? (laughs) Just an angsty teenage kid. All right. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure. Like, yeah. you know, it's like an indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never, I didn't grow up watching reality TV. It's interesting when we talk about this type of stuff. It really shows like how different of an upbringing we've each had, but I never felt like I needed to or like I was missing anything. I was just not interested in it, I think, or I don't think any of my friends were interested in it. Like my bubble was just operating differently. I will say though, that I was obsessed with Seventeen magazine. And not specifically oh, for, like, celebrity news. I mean, I don't really know if they had celebrity news. But they would kind of, right? Like, every cover would be, like, a celebrity. It and- was, like, quizzes. Like, are you compatible with Nick Jonas? Yeah. yeah. Did they have that in 17? They probably did. I don't really Maybe remember. About- Tiger Mist. Is that what it's called? Tiger. I thought it was just Tiger Mag. Oh. It might be Tiger Mist. I'm not sure. Tiger something. Yeah. But I think the reason why I loved Seventeen Magazine so much was for the like fashion and beauty side. My favorite magazine of the year was the back to school one. So the one that comes out in August and had all like the fashion and like beauty stuff. And I just loved it. I literally treated it like a Bible almost. My first time ever looking up New York City was when I was like looking up the Harst magazine headquarters because I wanted to work there because I loved it so much. And I looked up a map of Manhattan. I was like, oh, interesting. And I never thought about it again. Oh, yeah, here I am. Did you guys see that New York Times article that said it had all these tips and tricks for like life and stuff? And it said the things that made you weird as a kid will make you great as an adult. And I feel I've like, heard that recently too. Yeah, it's like kind of all over TikTok too. But I feel like that's relevant here. April really likes editorial stuff and she works with like Slanted now, lives in New York, kind of manifested it as a kid. Like yeah. I like creating music videos, content. I did that a lot as a kid photoshopped early on as a kid jackie you're like really into technology still and were as a kid as well i feel like it all connects a side note but were you guys ever not ashamed but like kind of shy or embarrassed because you were into these things and not a lot of other people were oh yeah Mm. i hid my music videos so much but they were based off of my idolizations of celebrities because i was making music video recreations of my favorite songs so like Mm. bunch of miley cyrus bunch of demi lovato and I was making them all in like Sims. And Crazy. some of them did go viral. As a seventh grader, I was getting like 50K views on YouTube. And like now, what, two years ago, I made that WAP music video. Oh my God, yeah. Thing. So it's just the same thing. It's a cycle. <laughs> Comes full circle. Okay, so I guess now that we've talked about what our like first obsessions were, 
I'm curious to hear if you feel like you have an addictive personality and also what does that even mean to you? I 100% say yes. I knew this growing up because I always had fixations on things, even like picking my nails, like I, to the point where I'm my hands are bleeding and I still couldn't stop picking at it. And I would see this everywhere else. If I get obsessed with a certain food, I would only eat that for a whole week, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner until I get tired of it or listening to music. For example, the Blackpink song or Taylor Swift song, I would listen to it on repeat for so long until it's dead to the point also everyone's like, can you please stop playing that song? She because- still does that. Yeah, I'm talking about this like past tense. (laughs) But that's when I started to notice like I have an addictive personality. And that's also why I feel like with being a fan and stuff, it feels more like a guilty pleasure where it doesn't feel like it's hurting me or hurting anyone else. And yeah, just getting obsessed over that. I don't think I have an addictive personality, honestly. It takes a lot for me to get really into something. But I will say once I'm in, I'm loyal. Like I'm in. in. Yeah, like these fandoms I'm in right now. I'm deep in. She's a stan. (laughs) I would agree with JoJo. I think I also don't really have an addictive personality. Do you guys find it interesting when you guys see me being very addictive to certain things? Is it like, oh, that's weird? I don't think it's weird. I mean, it's very, it's not, you're not hurting anyone. Like you said, it's just like the things that you enjoy and no one's going to be like, why do you like that? You know, like you can just enjoy the things that you enjoy. It makes me feel better about my stan, (laughs) my standing. So then I start appreciating like the act of standing more like I'm less what's the word like ashamed of it and shy yeah like I'll be I'll gladly share my obsessions with you yeah I remember seeing something I don't remember if BTS said this actually but I think someone asked them like how does it feel to have these people who are like so obsessed with you be your fans and I think they said something about like these people have so much love to give And I think that's true, right? Like people who are stands just have a lot of love to give. And if they really like something, they want to give so much like time and love into it. So I think that's true. It's a very positive way to look at it because there's also, you know, a negative side, which which we'll get into. But first, I think we should talk about what exactly a stan is and where that came from, because I think I only recently learned the origins of the term, but it actually was first coined in 2000. When Eminem dropped a song called Stan about a man who was actually pushing him to his edge and was stalking him and sending him a bunch of fan mail. And he was kind of like making fun of him a little, but it's definitely become like almost a verb and a noun. Like you can stand a movie, you can stand a song, but you can also be a stan of like a musician. So it's actually really interesting. Before Eminem came out with, the song what would people call a stan before then wait so you said he wrote the song in 2000 like the yeah, year it 2000 came out in the year 2000 yeah okay and i feel like it really aligns with the rise of social media as well i mean i guess that was like maybe 10 years later but the rise of social media really allowed people to connect with their idols or with their favorite celebrities because i don't know about you guys because I wasn't really on Twitter back then, but I would I remember seeing posts about people who were nostalgic for that time and be like, remember when would just tweet at us like all the time. I think back in the day, celebrities were a lot more open about tweeting and they would literally just say like, oh, I'm taking a shit right now. Like that's kind of what Twitter yeah. was for. I feel like Twitter is very different now. Not that I was on Twitter back then, but I see like that content come up every now and then because I'm a big 
Twitter fan. Like I'm on that every day. So I feel like there was a different sense of like connection back then. I think it's different now. People, I don't know. How do you think people connect to their idols now? Is it through consuming their content, of course, but also posting about them and tagging them? I guess reposting content like how Jackie does. But how do you think the act of standing has changed over the last 10, 15 years? I feel like it's gotten really toxic because of yeah, like very. fandom accounts and update accounts. Like for Harry Styles, there's so many different accounts that have like almost a million followers that literally post his every move and update. Like they'll be like, Harry just landed at the LAX airport and it'll show his outfit. And it's like people yeah. on TikTok where, you know, is this stalking or is it just an update? Where's the line? It's standing. They used to do that too. That I remember in high school, after school, I was at Starbucks with Adeline and she would just like, Harry's in LA right now. We should go. She was following One Direction. I don't think it was Harry specifically, but yeah. it was like, One Direction's in LA right now. We should totally go. I was like, girl, we are not going to LA right now to find Harry Styles. Like, that's not how it works. So I guess some things don't change. Yeah, I think it's even worse because I feel like there was a sense of privacy more so yeah bit. previously where people especially in like western culture where people say I don't want to show my kids I don't want to put my relationship on blast but I think what makes fandoms and certain stars so big is that they open that boundary and they don't set those boundaries and it is like a double-edged sword because I give insight into my life but also these fans are even crazier because you give them the access and it's like all privacy is thrown out, but where's that line? Like, do you want to be famous and do you want to make all this money? Or do you want to get rid of all your privacy boundaries? And I can't tell you someone who has balanced that because I don't think there is a balance yet. Yeah. I want to say it's all towards bigger companies just capitalizing on human nature of wanting to idolize mm -hmm. on someone and like wanting to do this. Everything is behind a celebrity. There is a team of people come up with strategy to affect audience perception, right? And I think now that we're talking about this, maybe that's why I'm not like as big of a stand just because I think about that stuff more. I'm just like, is this really your personality or is this what you're showing us because you want us to see you as a sweet, innocent person or like you're such a bad boy or whatever? I don't know. But yeah, it's just, I don't know what to believe. It doesn't seem genuine to me. And that's why when it does seem genuine, I really do like it. Like when I fell into the BTS hole, I really do think at least then I was like, wow, they're so genuine. Each of them has such distinct, unique personalities. Yeah. Can we just talk about being fans and buying stuff? It's expensive to be a fan. It's so fucking it costs expensive. a lot of money. It's not, it's not equitable. You have to have yeah. money to be a stan. It's hard to talk about this stuff because I feel like there's also some good sides to it versus some bad sides. I remember when I started to get into being a blink for a black pink fandom people would post on twitter and they're like we want to bump up the numbers we will pay you so you can buy the album for yourself that you can keep we just want to pump the numbers wait the people posting this were just like rich fans and mm -hmm. they were like i will give you money to buy yeah. this album yeah well, they I've would just have donations and people would mm -hmm. donate so they can give it out to like tons of Aww. other fans who can't is like, this a common it? practice or is it's this, very like, common i've never seen those before yeah or like when you're deep into stan twitter like people mm. raise money to do especially when we go to korea there's all the banners and signs for people's birthday these are all donations oh. just from fans and like at one point a lot of k-pop groups are like no more gifts because people are literally spending their own money to give them 
these like high-end bags or like random stuff because some people's love language is gift giving so they want to do that but as these idols like they don't need like they don't need your like gucci (laughs) yeah right like they'll take fan letters but Mm -hmm. these bigger stuff and then now i'm thinking back i'm like why am i spending so much money to buy these albums when they're literally sitting back over there i look at them maybe once a year to be like look i have these albums i feel like i'm just buying to support but yeah that's a lot of fucking money But April, back to your point on like social media changing fandom and just fame in general. It's interesting because like if you think back to like the first people who got famous from social media, I think of like Justin Bieber getting discovered on YouTube by Scooter Braun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was posting like videos of himself singing, playing drums and stuff, and it just went viral. And so he got pretty famous at a super young age. But it's also interesting to think about all the people that are still iconic before social media even existed i would consider them like classically famous people i guess like legends like pure talent i guess because these idol like we idolize them for their talents Mm -hmm. but then you dig into their personal lives what the rise of standing also came the rise of cancel culture so i think it like is related which makes sense yeah i also i feel like this leads into the western and eastern standards because in the eastern standards it's more curated there's a part that also feels genuine and like a little more open because they break down the barriers like they do a little more fan engagement but it's like very not scripted but they're it's definitely very strategic yeah it's under a record label yeah where in america these record labels just make sure your music pop off right but i don't think they necessarily have a pr team when we say eastern we're referring to specifically k-pop right or like korean music culture It is different, but I think they just create a lot more content. I think the way they market them is truly different at its core because like with K-pop, there's, what is it? The visual, there's like the vocal, Mm, there's like very carefully curated from the beginning. But with something like One Direction, it's like they were just on a singing contest together and they were grouped together by Simon Powell. And it wasn't necessarily, oh, this is the looks, this is like the youngest this is the oldest this is the leader i mean there there is like the leader aspect but it's not like oh he's gonna be the looks of the group yeah i mean there might have been a little bit of that but maybe the emphasis was more so on their voices and how it sounds together yeah. but liam Payne, think- remember all that shit about but- him saying <laughs> he was like the one that was the center of the group oh yeah. my god yeah. yeah also we have to remember that these k-pop stars are trained since they were like really seven yeah yeah for like they're like machines versus justin bieber where he was more picked out and then Mm -hmm. a lot of these other idols are doing it off their own will to be like i'll train for eight years so i can get there and you can kind of tell as a big fan of k-pop there is that talent gap that you can see because a lot of singers are just singers in america but in in korea you have to be able to sing Sing and dance and act and have visuals and do so much it's like a different what do you call it standards yeah different standard i think it's just a different culture not necessarily a standard because mm-hmm. people still make fun of really good singers that can't dance like dua lipa she was a meme oh for God. a really long time <laughs> she's gotten better though yeah good for but her. the way she like pops up she notices it i think that's funny what fandom are you a part of if any i think based on what we've talked about so far already i feel like it's kind of kind of obvious not obvious but like we've kind of touched on it already right i would say 
To be honest, I wouldn't even say that I'm really army. I'm like a fake army, but I do like them and I do enjoy their music, but I don't want to say I grew out of it, but I think when I had, oh my God, I'm going to get canceled by army. (laughs) Wait, I don't really know how to describe my relationship with BTS. I guess I really appreciate them and I think they're very talented and I really like them individually. And I think they're all just like very talented and like not to talk badly on like other groups, but I just don't think these other groups are as talented as them like i genuinely think they're like the top of the game they're gonna come no i genuinely think they're at the top of the game like they're okay i will say though that their english songs are like not the best i think they're definitely changing route in terms of like their i don't want to say strategy but like the way that they're going about things is definitely a little bit questionable because they've gained so much international success that they obviously want to appeal to more international audiences but it does feel a bit disingenuine to me i wish that they would just stick with their music i mean i guess it changes what you don't like butter like it's not bad but it's not great i don't know because i started becoming a fan honestly not even that long ago but with that music compared to their english songs it just doesn't hit the same and i don't really like the trajectory that they're going in but that doesn't mean that i'm not still their fan and that i still think they're very talented i think they're just going down a different path of like how they it's all strategy do things and now that they're on break so I feel like by the time they come back, who knows, like, I'll probably stop listening to them for a while. But when they're back, I'll just be like, okay. And I still haven't seen them in concert. So I will definitely need to do that before I die. <laughs> I think one thing I do like about the Eastern fandoms is that it is a lot more. Fandoms. Yeah, like it is a lot more engagement where I think because they do go into training for this, like they know what they're up for. So it's I want to make content for these fans. When I was a Taylor Swift fan, I felt like a lot of the content was just here are the lyrics. You guys can, the fandoms can work together to figure it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. For K-pop fandoms, let's go live and talk to our fans. Yeah, I know BTS came out with so much content, especially if they're promoting a new song. They perform a song like five to 10 different times at different venues. They have multiple run episodes talking about it. And there's just so much happening all the time. I remember during COVID when I just had a lot of free time because I was just home all the time. Every Tuesday, like literally instead of working my actual job that's paying me, I would watch these episodes because I think Tuesdays was when it came out. And my whole YouTube suggestion feed was just like fun videos of them, like fun edits. Oh my gosh, like rap line versus whatever, like the singer's line or J-Hope being a dance teacher or whatever. And I'll just be like, yeah, I'm watching all of these videos. And it was like so good. And the way that people edit the videos made me like them more. But after a certain amount of time, I would start to notice that things were edited a certain way to make you feel a certain way. So if it's JK and RM's relationship or whatever, like it'll be edited to make you like them more, if that makes sense. But then later I'll see like the actual clip of what happened. I'm like, that's not what happened. But like the clip Mm. that they included in their edited video makes it seem like, oh my God, like they're so close. Wow, like they would die for each other. But it's like, I mean, yeah, maybe they would. But the video was taken out of context a little bit. And I started noticing that more and more. And we feel like, okay, like, I'm sure they love each other. But like, some of this stuff is all curated. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, fabricated, not curated. I will say as a Western stan, I'm definitely a little more starved. I think <laughs> my love for Ariana, it will not dissipate. But it's definitely on pause right now because she's not making music. The last thing I got from her was her being on The Voice 
And that was like that's every, so long ago. Exactly. But every single whatever day of the week it was, I would be on watching that live. And I'd be like voting for her team and stuff even. Wow. And that was like the last time I really got a taste of her. And then she did one performance with The weekend, and that was it. So Damn. I'm definitely starved of her right now. And she's more private with her life since she got married. And so I don't really see much content from her anymore. What did you think of her and Pete? What did I think? Yeah. I just think it was so fast. And knowing both of their personalities a little more now, I say this as if I actually know them. Knowing <laughs> what they have curated on the internet for us, it seems that they both have personalities that will fall quickly and then crash and burn quickly as well. Mm. Just seeing like Pete Davidson's dating history right now. He's just he like the Emily iconic. Broke up recently, apparently. Yeah, that was totally fake. I'm curious, how are you guys consuming your content? Like for Harry Styles and stuff, where are you finding this content in BTS? Where are you getting this? I'm not really Mine's looking for TikTok. BTS content. I follow RM sugar and that's it i only follow rm and sugar on instagram so i would see their posts every now and then i think i follow like one or two bts fan accounts on twitter so sometimes i'll see like the stuff that they like come up but for the most part i'm not really going out of my way to find but before i was on youtube a lot and watching those videos yeah i would say mine is mainly twitter that's i guess how that's how it builds the fandom or like feeds into the addictive i mean jackie you have your own blackpink Fan accounts. Fan account. Would you like to talk about that? <laughs> follow me at – no, I'm just kidding. I'm anonymous. You're like, please do not follow me, I'm but I will repost. <laughs> yeah, I only repost stuff, but I made it because I wanted to be a fan without intruding on anyone else because it's I'm a fan for myself. I don't want it to show on anyone else's if they're not also a fan. Mm-hmm. So I made a, a fan account just so I can get all of the Blackpink feed and fill my time so it's curated on that. And – I feel like that brought, has brought me a lot of joy because I guess that's what fandoms are. You're like consuming the content and doing all that and you see them as idols. How um, much time in a week on average do you think you would spend on that account? Before, with my obsessive personality, it's like I can only fixate on one, right? Mm-hmm. When it was Blackpink, it was so much time. And I think that I used being a Blackpink fan as like a small getaway because it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm – I think I was in college and they were having their Coachella performance and that's when I became a fan. Oh, that was when you started. But when was your like peak blink? That was peak because I was buying all their albums. I was consuming. I was like Mm. watching all of their YouTube videos that they came out, like the Blackpink house and stuff. And then I would watch all of their concerts. And then I made sure I was like, I spent so much hours and time of my life before I got down into the NFT hole. Because It's so funny to me because- I met you after all this, and when I met you, you were already a blink. But I don't yeah. remember you ever talking about them that much until like a year into knowing you, and it started to come up a little bit more when we were living together, and you were playing like um, music videos and stuff like at our apartment. But I never, I'd never like I think understood or fully grasped how much you liked them until I kind of noticed when I went to your apartment though, because you had like little glimpses of it in your room like a little oh. more than a normal person would yeah like you had a black pink mask you had some of the albums and you had you did have the mask like, i do remember the stuff face on mask. your wall you had You're a right. painting that your brother made you i just i noticed <laughs> little glimpses i just feel like you never really like talked about it maybe i wasn't paying attention <laughs> by the time i met you guys i was coming down on the fandom i was like okay i need to focus on other things 
than like like making friends and yeah like whatever you know (laughs) that was like senior year of college where I had just so much free time Mm -hmm. you guys started to notice again when they came out with their world tour so I was like oh I gotta prep myself to re-listen to their music become the fan again and then I made sure I'm like I spent you do not understand I just spent so many hours when I was first a fan I was like I have to make up for it by being front row at their concert and that was like my ultimate goal and I remember getting these amazing seats at the LA show and everyone's like you should resell that because it was literally at the barricade it was seated general mission and there was a part of me I'm like I can't sell this because I ultimately want to go and I like want to enjoy it and I would say that was probably the ultimate peak of my fandom where like I'm still a big fan. That was last month. That was last month. Yeah that was not long ago. So the peak was so I guess you can have multiple peaks right so the peak was senior year of college and then again more recently yeah but I feel like that also wrapped up the full circle because I did the fan meet I did have barricade front row and now I'm like I've reached like peak fandom where I can now move on yeah I'm satisfied it's like where else is there to go from here become their besties supporting from the back and I'll you should talk about what you mentioned about how you felt when you were there you were like oh my god I think that's what brought up this episode Mm -hmm. was when I saw them being so close to them and they came out for sound check and side note I was slightly a little high and I was like they're just regular people <laughs> and <laughs> that realization I was like holy shit like that's a human <laughs> yeah no they were just so normal and they're just mm-hmm. waving I was like what I can't believe I spent so many hours and they're just like a regular human and money yeah that time and money and I was just like wow I why I spent so much time standing them why don't I do that to myself the big (laughs) brain explosion from then on I was like what if I just stand myself and appreciate them as much as I should appreciate myself and I started to realize wow that was the full circle moment and when they came out for the final music stage I think that was just me really enjoying like, like wow Real talent, real music, and really making up for that. But I think the moment during the sound check, I was just like, they're just regular beings. I'm why am I screaming my head off? Mm. I think that moment I was just taking in, I wasn't really screaming. But when you hear my videos of the actual concert, I sound like I'm dying. It's so funny. Whenever she plays the videos and she was like, I don't know why I sound like that. I'm like, what do you mean? You were in the moment. You like screamed at Chizu. You had an actual interaction with her though, but that was cute. It was cute. Should we post it on our Instagram? Yeah, we should. Shout out to my fandom blink girly Nare where she came with me and we were just making posters literally the night before and in the car the day of and <laughs> we had a whole notebook where we're like turning the posters so they can notice us and we got some really fun interactions. So I thought that was really cool. I feel like I'm at a different stage of fandom than you because I haven't gotten those things on my checklist that I want yet like I tried so hard to get an interaction at the Harry concert <laughs> I was too short in the crowd like it didn't happen I was so close to him reading my sign and everyone yeah. was pointing at my sign because they liked it so much but some like really tall white lady in front of me got noticed like she was right in front <laughs> of me so he probably read mine and then just ignored it but it's weird because my journey with Harry I was such a One Direction fan in high school but I didn't mm. like Harry I didn't even look at him. I was only obsessed with Zayn. And <laughs> I went to a One Direction concert in Houston with my friend Jiwon. And she was such a Harry fan. I was such a Zayn fan. We printed out giant heads of like their giant, a picture of their giant heads. Sorry, 
giant pictures of their heads at Walmart and it's it was so big like it was like two feet by like one or like two feet by two feet honestly and I love that we did not have good seats and of course they wouldn't notice us but in my mind I was like they noticed us and I actually posted a video like just like random concert footage of Harry Styles sneezing and it went viral it got like 300k (laughs) views on YouTube it's still up so I can link it to whoever is interested but I think my peak my re-peak with Harry Styles specifically happened at Coachella as well when he was headlining this year. Mm-hmm. So it's just like happened really quick. Love to see another episode of like you guys meeting your idols and like what that feels like. I is. Oh don't think I can I don't think I can meet him, honestly. You never know. But I don't know. I just looked at him on stage. It was also my birthday, so I feel like that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I was just so happy looking at him and just hearing him live, I was like, yeah. This guy, this is it. (laughs) No, I remember when you were texting us the next day. I was like, damn. Okay, Jojo. (laughs) So moving on to our last section about fandom analysis and toxicity, we tend to see K-pop groups being seen as products where they're trained, they're a big team behind them, where Western groups tend to lean on the side of giving more control on individuality just because that's how Western culture is. Where do you guys see the toxicity come out in these fandoms? I think the toxic side comes from a sense of ownership. So fans of like K-pop groups, I'm just speaking generally, but tend to feel like they are more connected so that there is like a sense of ownership in that if they started dating... It's like, how dare you date? Like, you should give all your love and effort into the fans that love you so much. Like, why are you dating? Which is so crazy to me. It's like, you don't want your fan to be booed up and, like, have a good time and experience that. Versus with more, like, American culture, since there is a stronger sense of individuality, it's, oh, I want to know who they're dating now because it's, like, funny almost. Oh, like, Pete Davidson is now dating another, like, basic white girl. Haha, like they're going to break up in two months. I don't know. There's not. I wonder if that's because Pete Davidson is not a musician and he's more of a comedian actor. Whereas Ariana, people were like, Pete's not good enough for you. Like you belong with Mac Miller. Like it's very defensive. And Harry Styles, Mm. all the females, all the people he dates, they get hated on. Olivia Wilde. I feel like everyone's perception of her is very negative. I mean, is this just misogyny? Probably, but at the same time, like Taylor Swift, people will support her and hate on Jake Gyllenhaal, understandably so. And were people supporting he her though? I think for a long time, people gave her so much shit, and she was, was like, "I'm writing Bron, songs about though. my breakups." But then it's if a guy writes a song about breaking up with a girl, no one gives him any shit. But like, you don't remember everyone was giving her shit for like only talking about her breakups or whatever, and she was just like, "Why is this a problem?" Like, Anel says this, but the fact that like. I'm so big and like I'm a woman that now it's a problem and like I'm such a girl and like I'm so emotional and whatever so I think there is a big sense of misogyny and like how people are treated it's that and play that with like money and capitalism and all of that like I think when I was younger and people you finally get that realization of how you're being played of how much people would pay for one photo of ex-celebrity walking down the street or something oh yeah like a million dollars like actually a million dollars just to get a photo 
for that so people can profit off of it later Mm -hmm. on, which is kind of insane to me, but that shows you and gives an eye insight on how crazy fans and fandoms have become. I mean, remember when Erica Titus got canceled on Twitter, which then led to her short hiatus on TikTok because of all the like K-pop drama and all the TikTok or all the Twitter fans just very recent. recent. It was from like Lollapalooza, right? Yeah, it's from Lollapalooza Mm. from like J-Hope's concert. And it comes into play of the problem of the internet too because people can take this hatred and put it out on open but also still being pseudo-anonymous Mm, like they're hiding yeah. behind their like slow and think of it as people using these fandoms as an escape right if i need to take this hatred out from my regular life where can i put that it will be this joy and anger is against other people where you don't feel like you're affected that's so true damn there's always going to be the bad apples i guess and the last point that we touched on is that being a stan is honestly not equitable. Like all the Taylor Swift ticket fiascos that happen, just like in general, Mm -hmm. you really do have to have the means and the money to see these people. So I feel grateful that I've seen Harry even three times and I've seen Ariana like two, three times as well. So it's just like crazy to think about how many resources have to go into these relationships. And I think like back to Jackie's original high thought slash points, I think pouring that energy, time, and resources into ourselves would be really beneficial, but am I really going to take that advice myself? Probably not. I'm still going to (laughs) be trying to fight for those Harry Styles tickets in January, so I don't really know what my conclusion is. I think I'm just, I'm deep in, but I am definitely (laughs) a lot more aware. Yeah. I want to say I'm going to change how I see fandoms because I, you use it for an escape, but if it's not hurting anyone else, then... I'm still going to be a fan and support it, but maybe I should just, yeah, maybe not use as much money. Bring the micro joys to myself, not from other people. It's hard to say that there's like an ideal fan because there's so many different types of people in the world. But in my opinion, the ideal fan is someone who has all his love and is willing to give their time and energy and money to support whoever they want to support, but at the same time, like still being mindful of like their privacy and I don't know. I think stands are fun because it's like something that they're so passionate about. And, and like who doesn't like to hear someone talk about something they're passionate about, right? It's just like warm when they talk about it. Like you can tell that they just like really love something. So I don't know. I think it's nice. Even though I personally don't 100% like relate to it maybe. That's okay. Like I don't have to relate to like every single experience that every single person has had. But yeah, so I think I just feel like after this conversation, it's just a better understanding of why people feel this way and like how they act it is nice because it leads to more exposure i suppose because like the amount of times we've sat on the couch with jackie and she's played through music videos and then she'll pass the remote over to one of us and we'll play videos like i never i never watched the bts tiny desk until april and adeline showed me and i'm sure there's like tons of other content that could be said vice versa so I do think it's a really nice way to learn about people's interests and like what April said, what makes them happy. Yeah, that Tiny Desk video is actually what got me hooked because I was like, oh, what are their names? And then from there, it's like, LOL. All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap unless anyone has any final thoughts. Watch Harry Styles' Tiny Desk. That's all I have to say. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode. You can find us on Instagram at AsianGlowUpPod or at AsianGlowUp.com. We have new episodes on the 15th and 30th of every month, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.